Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Keever, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we're going to get into some powerful things today. I'm glad you decided to join us. Uh, We've been a while since uh, I posted the last podcast. We uh, had our, my wife and I had our 50th wedding anniversary. Imagine it. We've been together 50 years. And uh, so I I really thought it was more important that I spend a week with her and not uh, do anything during that time. So it's been a while since I posted and we're but we're back again today and we're ready to go. So we've been talking about some things from the word of God that I think are very important and this year I felt like God gave me an insight that he had invested tremendous potential in every one of those who have been born again, every one of us who are saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, born again, Christians according to the biblical standard. God has invested something in you, and he wants to get that out of you. He wants to cause that to flow out of you so that you can be everything he's called you to be in this earth. And part of that involves being supernatural people. That means people who are connected to a supernatural God, a supernatural home. We have access to supernatural power, but we live right here in this natural kind of nasty world that we have to occupy right now. We are supernatural people in the natural world. And we've been focusing in over the last number of weeks, maybe even months, on the idea that God wants to reveal things to us. Peter uh, and Jesus, there was an interaction between them where Jesus asked a question, who do men say that I am? And then he asked the more important question, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father in heaven revealed it to you. What does that mean? He could have known by what he saw, what he heard Jesus teach, all the natural things. He could have known that Jesus was the Messiah. Israel was looking for the Messiah. Uh, He could have discerned that, but Jesus said that you didn't get that from just what you saw. Now, he did see all those things. He did hear what Jesus taught, and I'm sure he had his suspicions as to who Jesus was. But there was another element to what he said. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That was not part of their tradition. That was not, now there were, there were clues to who he really was, but that was not part of their tradition. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. That's what defined them. And to have a son, that meant God wasn't one. Now, it doesn't mean God isn't one. He is one. We understand that there's a mystery here uh, that, that God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And how he can be three and one at the same time, I have no idea, and neither do you, even though there are all kinds of doctrines that say you do. It's just the way it is. But to their thinking, he could not have a son, and yet Peter knew that Jesus was not just the Messiah, but the Son of God. So uh, this, this thing that came to him from the Father, number one, it reinforced what he did see with his eyes and hear with his ears. Number two, it gave him insight beyond what he could have discerned with that, and that's called revelation or revealed knowledge 
And I believe it's part and parcel to what every believer can and should be walking in. Insights and understanding and and actual information that can come to our heart from God himself that he can reveal certain things to us as it's needed. It doesn't mean we know everything. It doesn't mean God's going to show us everything and all of a sudden we're now as smart as God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God revealing things that we need to know when we need to know it about an ability to know beyond natural knowledge as God reveals it to us. And part of what's really necessary for that, we've been talking about how do we get that? How do we discern that? Because that knowledge comes to us in the same voice that we think with. I mean, that's that's kind of a problem because we have to decide what is God and what isn't. Well, part of, uh, of being able to do that, we've been talking about this idea that Paul said from, uh, from Romans chapter uh, chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 he said that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds now i did not uh put up a podcast but i did put up uh, a, a message that i shared at our church the sunday uh before we went on our our little second third fourth fifth 10th, 50th honeymoon. And uh, uh, so in that, I talked about the new birth. And I put it up on the podcast because some of the people wanted to hear it. There wasn't really a way to record it there that particular Sunday. Some of the equipment wasn't functioning or nobody was there that could run it the way that it needed to be. So at any rate, it was a live recording. It's not the greatest audio quality, but I put it up because it talks about the new birth, talks about being born again. I think it's very important that we realize being born again is not some cliche thing. It's not something that uh, that certain people in the Christian religion believe. Jesus said in John chapter 3, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, he said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And he was talking to one of the rulers of the synagogue, a Pharisee, but he was a good man. He was coming to Jesus because he really wanted to know the truth. And so there's something about this idea of being born again. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are are now of God. And in verse 21 of that verse, of that chapter, it says uh, that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness or made right with God. Hallelujah. And so uh, when we're born again, we need to realize Christianity is not a religion in the normal sense of the word. The religion of Christianity is simply the structure that's been built around those who do or profess to believe in Jesus. But Christianity is not that at all. It is a relationship. And the Bible says, according to this relationship... that we are then in Christ Jesus, and that if we are in Christ Jesus, that we have become something different. I I want you to know, there's no other religious tradition, there's no other philosophy, there's nothing else that, 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 that says what Christianity says, that in a moment, upon believing on him, that we can be completely changed inwardly. When you receive Jesus, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it tells us that how we need to do that, we need to believe with our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess with our mouth, Jesus as Lord. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does that really mean? It simply means this. We have to believe that Jesus died for 
our sins. I have to believe that Jesus died for my sins. I can't believe he died for somebody else's sins and get saved. I'm receiving his sacrifice as the sacrifice for my sins. Now that implies I have to believe I have some. I have to believe that there's something separating me from God and that separation is caused by sin, but I believe in his sacrifice. I receive it as my own and then it says I must confess him as Lord. Now that means that I give him charge over my life. It doesn't mean that I lose my free will. It doesn't mean that I become a robot. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm now mindless. I don't think anymore. It means that I choose to submit my life to the authority of Jesus Christ, that he is my Lord, that he's going to be looking uh, after me. Uh, David had a wonderful psalm called the shepherd psalm. The Lord now becomes my shepherd. That means he's responsible for me. Man, that is powerful. I'm no longer responsible for myself, but that means also that I have to be willing to obey him, to submit to him, to submit to his word. It doesn't mean I, 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 I'm not myself anymore, but it means that I become more than what I was. I am a new creature. My sins at that moment are gone. They're wiped away. I am not what I was before. Now, there is a problem, and we talked about this last time, and that is that what happens to me inwardly in the new birth doesn't always make its way uh, to the outside the way it should. And Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the way that it gets outside is by the renewing of the mind. You need to be uh, transformed, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are already in his likeness. Now, we need to allow what's inside to get out. And I had a wonderful thought. I found something out I didn't really know before. Sometimes we think we know what words mean, but we just don't really know. And I found out that word transformed in the, in the Bible, the word translated from the Greek is simply where we get the word metamorphosis. And uh, we know that a caterpillar undergoes a metamorphosis, and that's how it becomes a butterfly. And in looking into that, I, I just wondered, I thought, you know, is the DNA of the butterfly and the caterpillar the same? It is. So from the basic DNA, it's the same creature. But I want you to know that the process of metamorphosis is something that's so powerful and and so apropos of what Paul is talking about, what happens to the caterpillar, he goes into that cocoon and there are enzymes that are released that dissolve his body. Now, that doesn't sound very pleasant, but there are parts that are not dissolved and those parts are called imaginal discs. In other words, discs. Now, I don't know what kind of discs they are. They just call them discs. I don't know what they really are, but th they are called imaginal discs and they contain the image, not of the uh, caterpillar, but of the butterfly. And as the body is dissolved, the, the caterpillar pillar, pillar body is dissolved. You try and say that real fast. The caterpillar body is dissolved. Then these imaginal discs begin to make use of what's left and, the, and they feed on the enzymes. They feed on the body of the caterpillar, but the imaginal discs, the discs that contain the image of the butterfly, begin to build something new. And so although it's the same DNA, when that butterfly comes out of that cocoon, it's not just, uh, it's not just a butterfly with wings. It's a completely different body. It's a completely different creature with the same DNA. And that creature, I love this, man. I just, it turns me on every time I think about it. The caterpillar has to crawl. The butterfly can 
the butterfly can fly. I'm not a caterpillar. I was a caterpillar before I got born again. But when I got born again, I became a butterfly. But the problem is I have to get out of this cocoon. I have to break free from the thinking, the kind of thinking that kept me bound. So how am I transformed? I need to start thinking like God. I need to see things through God's eyes. I need to have my mind changed. We talked about an operating system that a computer can only do what you tell it to do. And the operating system governs it. We have an operating system that controls our thinking, our soul, not our spirit. We're new in spirit, but our soul has been trained by this world. Our soul has been trained by our culture, the experiences, all those things. Some of that is fine, but an awful lot of that is uh, contrary to what the Word of God teaches. And so until we can see the way God sees, think the way God thinks, be ruled by, and we found out one of the most important elements of this is the written word of God. We need to become people who are ruled not by the natural world, not conformed to the natural world, but are conformed and ruled by the written word of God. And we're going to talk today about what that means and how we get there. I'm going to try and go through it as quickly as I can. You're going to have to study this out, though, because there's a lot to it. How do I become word-ruled? And how does this apply to to revealed knowledge? Well, until my mind thinks like God thinks, I'll never understand. I'll never receive. I, I, I Probably God will speak to me, but I won't even know God is talking to me because I am so ruled by the natural world. World, by the way things are, by the way uh, our, our, my culture is. Nothing wrong with culture, but the Word of God must supersede culture. I go all over the world. I talk about things like marriage, and when we do, we tell people that we're not preaching American marriage. We're talking about biblical marriage, and whatever your culture tells you about marriage, the, the Word of God must supersede that. In other words, we don't conform the Word to the culture. We conform the culture to the Word. Well, in our everyday lives, in our our everyday thinking and our everyday acting, that's the way we need to be. We need to be conformed, not to this world, but to the Word of God, and that produces a transformation that gets what happened to me inwardly out into my outward living, into my outward life, into my into my own personal needs being met, and my ability to meet the needs of others. So what are the steps? There are some steps that we can go through, and I'm going to list them, and you're going to have to study it out because... Uh, I, I just don't have time. Maybe we'll go back over it some other time. But right now, I just feel to go through it. There are some things we can do. Romans ten seventeen, The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, uh, there are those who say, well, that just that's just talking about salvation. Uh, that That's in the context of salvation. So it doesn't mean faith for everything. It just means faith for salvation. Well, can I ask you something? If faith for salvation comes that way, why would faith for anything else come any other way? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're hearing the word of salvation, that's the faith that comes. But if you're hearing the word of healing, if you're hearing the word of purity from sin, if you're hearing the word of God's provision, if you're hearing the word of God's protection, if you're hearing whatever there is, the Bible is full of promises. The uh, Second uh, Corinthians says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Whatever he promises, I can have that. And so faith to receive that 
Not that I have to somehow please God or get to a certain level and he's holding it back until I get there, but there is a connection that has to mean I be made. I have to believe that. And so faith to believe it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So step one to being word ruled is that I need to hear the word. Now that implies not just hearing it. You know, you can go to church and you hear it, but you don't pay any attention. Listen, that word implies hearing it with understanding. And I'm going to introduce something I don't have time to talk about to any great degree, but part of hearing is meditating in the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about anything like transcendental meditation or Hindu meditation where you you empty your mind and you focus on nothing. That's dangerous. I'm talking about focusing on the Word of God. When Joshua had to take over from Moses, and you have to admit, that's a tough job, man. I mean, Moses was the most powerful person of his generation and probably of any generation until Jesus and Joshua had to take over for him. So he's a little bit afraid. Uh, you read in Joshua 1 over and over, be, have courage, be courageous, don't be afraid. And this is how God tells him to do that. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law, he's talking about the written word of God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you shall have good success. What's he talking about? He's talking about really hearing the word of God. Three little steps to meditation, and you also need to include study in that because you need to, to read. I tell people, read the verse before, the read the verse after, and then read the whole chapter, and the chapter before, and the chapter after, and then start meditating on it, thinking about it. What does it mean to meditate? He says, keep it in your mouth. One of the meanings of meditate is to mutter, to say it. There were times in our lives, my wife and I, where we had needs, and again, we weren't trying to get a, a, a Cadillac. We were trying to get our bills paid, and we were trying to get our family fed, and we knew God wanted to do that. We knew God could do that and would do that, but we had to get old over a hump in our own hearts of believing. And what we did was we spoke the word of God. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We said it over and over again. We spoke it to one another. We said it to ourselves. We we spoke it to our own heart. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all my need. My God shall supply. We went over it like that. I went over it like that and kept it in my mind. So number one is to keep it in your mouth. When you find a promise in the word of God, speak that promise to yourself. Speak it to the devil. Just mutter it so that it gets into your ears and and that helps it get down into your heart. Then he says, keep it in your heart. Think about it. Meditate on it. Think about what it would mean. I like to go, when I find a promise, I think, well, what would it mean if this was true in my life? How would my life change? And picture what the word of God, what this promise would do in me. And that will lead to doing the word. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but meditation, hearing, speaking, and thinking will lead you to doing it. But part of the hearing process is not just to hear it with your ears, but to hear it more deeply, and meditation in the Word helps us do that. Now, number two, James 1.21 says that, therefore, we should lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, in this particular uh, verse of Scripture, 
when he talks about laying aside filthiness and all that, that sounds really bad, but he's really talking about laying aside our pride. He says in verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Then he says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness. Certainly, if we have some sin in our life, that's going to make it hard for us to receive what God says. In other words, if we decide that, just as an example, that fornication is okay, that in today's world, uh, we should just expect that people are going to have sex outside of marriage, people are going to have sex before marriage, and, and that's just the way it is. If I've got that sin in my life, when God says that, to, that any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage is sin, we're going to have a hard time receiving that. We're going to say, well, I don't believe that. Well, see, this is the, 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 the real crux of it. Now, if you have a sin, if there's some wickedness you've got going on in your life, you need to believe the word of forgiveness from God and go to God and confess that sin and receive his forgiveness. But you're also going to have to receive the word with meekness. And really, this word meekness here involves humility. It involves not allowing myself to, to choose to believe something other than the Word of God. In other words, we have a tendency to say, well, I know the Bible says that, but I think, listen, what you think has to be trumped by what the Bible says. We need to receive it with meekness. We need to receive it with humility. We need to just accept the fact that the Word of God is right every time. Now, I may not understand some things. There may be some things I read and think, God, I don't understand how that can be right. God is not, uh, he, he's, he's more than willing, let me say that, to, to clarify to you. It, there's nothing wrong with honest questions before the Lord. There's nothing wrong with honest questions to your leaders. God will help you understand, but it has to begin with, Lord, I, un, I know this, your word is true. I receive it with meekness. I receive it submitting myself to you and not allowing my opinions to override what the word of God says. If I don't if I don't agree with it, I have to I have to accept it. If if I don't understand it, I accept it and then God will help me understand it. So number 2, we need to receive the word with meekness, the implanted word and that goes back to number 1, the hearing and meditating implants it but then we'll never will never uh be able to function in it. We'll never be ruled by it until we choose to receive it with meekness. It's right. I'm wrong. I don't know why. I don't know how. God help me to understand, but I choose to believe that your word is right. Hebrews 4.2 says this, another interesting section of scripture. It's talking about, um, it's talking about the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel. In 4.2, it says this of Hebrews, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Well, how was the gospel preached to them? Well, the people of the Old Testament who were faithful believed in the cross from the other direction. In other words, they believed in the cross looking towards the cross. They may not have understood it was the cross, but the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus is throughout the prophets. It's throughout the, the, the tabernacle. It's throughout the priesthood. Everything is there in what's called types and shadows. And those who were faithful to that were actually hearing the gospel preached before the cross. We hear the gospel preached after the cross. And so uh, both groups ended up saved. And I don't, I'm not going to get into that. You may, that may not go with your theology, but, uh, but I believe that both groups ended up saved 
one from before, one from after, but both converging on the work of Jesus on the cross. Without the cross, nobody's saved. But with the cross, those who came before can be saved and those who come after can be saved looking to that sacrifice. But there was a problem. The people of Israel had it. They had everything that that God was ever going to give. It was there. They were God's chosen people. They had a covenant with God. They had prosperity. They had healing. They had all of it. But when it came time, it's interesting, when Jesus came, they didn't know who he was. Those who knew the word, who knew the law the best, didn't understand who Jesus really was, and some who did chose to reject him anyway because it, it was a threat to their power. So, we have to understand that they did not believe it. But look what it says. For indeed the gospels preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So what does that mean to me? How do I become world word ruled? I have to hear it. I have to receive it with meekness. I can't be arguing with the Bible, okay? I can ask God to help me understand, but I can't be arguing with it. Number three, I got to believe it. I have to believe that the word of God is true. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that the worlds were framed with the word of God. I believe God through the word, through his word, caused everything to be made. What he put in the Bible consists of the same kind of power and energy through a different channel. What God made with his word can be changed or, or manipulated or formed back into the image that he wants it to have. And so the way that happens is I've got to believe the word. There was a man that came to Jesus. His son uh, couldn't, could not speak. Uh, he was deaf and mute. He was epileptic. And, uh, and he came to Jesus looking for healing. But there were various things that happened. Jesus wasn't there when he got there. By the time Jesus came, uh, all he could muster was this. Jesus, if you can help us, please do. And Jesus answered him, not with a criticism, not with condemnation, but with a diagnosis. He said, the problem here is not what I can do. It's what you can believe. Hallelujah. He said, if you can believe, anything is possible. And so... The man said, I do believe, help my unbelief. That's exactly what we need to do. The man heard the word of Jesus. He heard it preached. That's why he was there. That's why he came. He heard that Jesus healed the sick and he wanted healing for his son. He responded to the word. He chose to believe the word and there was opposition to his believing. But when it came down to it, Jesus said, if you can believe this, anything is possible. He said, I do believe, help me where, I, where I'm having a problem. And Jesus did. You know how I know he did? The boy got healed. Hallelujah. And so we need to look at the word. Again, I talked about our provision. This was early in our ministry and then through many times where we really, we didn't have any money. We didn't have anything, but we had a promise and we made a choice. Even though circumstances said, this can't happen. You'll never get your needs met. You'll never see God. God can't possibly uh, provide what you need. We chose to believe his word. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And there's a saying that we kind of got connected to and, and really used to help us. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not going to be moved by what it looks like on the outside. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not going to be moved by what uh, what doubts may come to, to, the, to my mind or what, what uh, nervousness or even fear tries to get. I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm not going to be moved by anything but what I believe. And I 
believe the word is true. Now, I can tell you, we haven't always had all the money we ever wanted, but we've always had everything we needed. That included things like airline tickets. You know, sometimes we want to judge needs. You know, you, you see somebody, well, that preacher, he has an airplane, and that he must be just robbing God's people. Why? Because you said so? No. That person may, and if he is, I tell you what, God will take care of it. But, but he may have a, a call from God where he needs that. I needed airline tickets. I mean, that's not something you need all the time. But God said, go to Kenya, go to Africa, go to India. Well, you can't, you can't walk there. I mean, I'd love it if he'd just translate me, but that hadn't happened. So I needed airline tickets. God provided it. I needed the electric bill. I needed groceries. I needed the mortgage. All those things. I had to believe, no matter what I saw, that the word of God is true. I must uh, hear it. I must receive it with meekness. I must believe it. James 1.22, I want to try and wrap this up. James 1.22 says this. Uh, It's a familiar scripture, but uh, we need to look at it anyway. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. We have to be willing to do the word. He goes on to talk about someone that looks into a mirror and and sees that there's a problem, but doesn't make a change. I mean, you get up in the morning. When I get up in the morning, I don't even go downstairs. I go into the bathroom, and I'm I'm just going to see my wife and whoever may be in the house with us that given uh, at any given point in time. But I comb my hair because I could frighten children with my bed hair. So I take care of my hair. I look in the mirror and I fix it. What kind of a foolish person are we if we see that if you're a, a, a woman and you need makeup, your makeup is bad and you're, you need to do whatever you do. Uh, if you're a guy and you're, you're unshaven and uh, unless you have a beard, but you know you, you don't take care of cleaning up what needs to be cleaned up, you got dirt on your face, whatever. If you don't, if you look in the mirror and you don't do anything about it, what profit is the mirror to you? He goes on to say it this way, and I love this. He says, for if anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away immediately and forgets what kind of man he was. Now, that's another part of this, isn't it? You look in the mirror, but if you don't do anything, if you don't choose to believe it, you kind of forget what you look like. I know I keep, every time I look in the mirror, I wonder who that old guy is staring back at me. Uh, I'm sure you don't think that way. For he observes himself and goes away immediately, forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What does that mean? What is the perfect law of liberty? It's the word of God. If we want to be word-ruled, we need to be willing to do what it says. What if I don't agree with what it says? You do it anyway. You order your life according to what it says. You, you order your life according to the promises. You order your, order your life according to God's standards. You look into the word. You, you live the way God tells you to live. You think the way God tells you to think. If you look into the perfect law of liberty, but you look at it just like it, it goes back to the meekness. If you look at it and say, well, you know, I just don't agree with that, and I choose not to do it, or you agree with it, say, yes, amen, hallelujah, but you don't do anything with it, you don't apply it to your life, then you're not word ruled. But when you do, if you look into that, isn't, isn't it interesting, he calls it the perfect law of liberty. Oh, we're not under the law. Yes, we are. We're under the law of liberty. And when we look into the law of liberty and see the things we need to change to make our lives conform with with him and what he has for us, then that produces liberty. But if I look at it and don't change according to it, 
then I'm not being ruled by it. So number one, we need to hear it. Number two, receive it with meekness. These are all related. We must believe it, and then we must do it. We must live and act accordingly. And number three, Psalm 119.89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I think I said three, but number five. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now there's a saying, it's a good bumper sticker. It says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And people say, oh, no, 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 because the word of God is already settled. They are absolutely right. However, until I choose to settle it for myself, it's not settled in me. What's it mean to be settled? It means to be set. It mean, it's like a foundation. It's like, you know, uh, uh, there are certain things. We, we put up a pool in our backyard. My wife loves her pool, and it got damaged, so we had to put up a new one. And there were certain things that we had to put, and we had to tamp them down. And even after that, they were going to settle. But we wanted to make the settling uh, less. And to be settled means it's set in its final position. The Word of God needs to be set in the final position of my heart. It needs to become the alpha and the omega to me, the first and the last, the first word and the last word in my life. It needs to be settled in me. There's a rest involved in that, that I'm just resting on the fact that the word of God is true. It's settled in me. I'm not going to look anywhere else. I'm not going to think about uh, going any other direction. It is settled in me. What God says, that's the end of it. Jesus was the Word made flesh. And this last step is really when the Word becomes flesh in us. So when the, all of these things are in place, that's when we begin. Now, this is not it. for the butterfly. It's one time for us. It's progressional. This, this, and this goes on throughout our entire life in different areas of the Word of God as we continue to learn, we continue to grow. That's why you never stop studying the Word. You never stop going to church. You never stop hearing teachers. Uh, that's part of hearing it. God gave it the teachers in the body of Christ so that they could help us understand what the Word says. But when it becomes that point where it's settled, that's when I'm becoming word-ruled. And when I'm word-ruled, that's when revelation knowledge, among other things, can begin to flow through me, and I'll begin to see things, understand things, and know things that I couldn't know any other way. And that's when what's in me is going to become my reality in my outward life and when people are going to begin to see something different. I think I said this last time, but I, that's what God wants. He doesn't want, uh, he doesn't want the world to see the caterpillar we used to be. He wants the world to see the butterfly we are now. But it's not just uh, a pretty butterfly. It's the power of God. It's the answers that our neighbors need. It's the answers that our family needs. It's the power to meet the needs around us. It's the power to meet the needs in our own life. This is what God has for you. You need to do these things. You need to, now this isn't the be all and end all. Again, you need to study this out, but you need to put these things into your life. Start there and ask God to show you how else to apply this. There's a lot on my blog that I've done for since 2009, a uh, lot about all these things. You can search there on WordPress, and, uh, and there are other things, things that I've taught in this podcast. Anyway, put these things into your life, and you're going to see some changes, and you're going to see some solidity come that maybe you thought never could. In Jesus' name, well, God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen. 
G-R-E-E-N-E at gmail.com. Have a great day.